Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're gonna give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. You are listening to Ohio Conference Cast a podcast dedicated to sharing missional stories and other information about Ohio Mennonite Conference. Here are your hosts, Thomas Dunn and Bill Seymour. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Ohio Conference Cast. It's a rainy morning, and Bill and Dan and I are sitting together, drinking a cup of coffee, having a relaxing morning. That I is Thomas, and we are with Dan King, who is a retired pastor in Ohio Conference. Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a retired pastor in Ohio Conference. That's perfect. Thank you very much. Why are you here? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm also a middle school math and biology teacher. That's Spanish? I've seen him teach Spanish. He didn't teach me Spanish. Okay. Yes, oh, so wait, I, he taught you biology? I, he was my seventh grade science teacher. Sorry. Yes, wow. uh, Thomas All was right. my exemplary student. Yes, uh, well, yeah, one of many at Central nobody Christian. Nobody in Ohio Conference believes that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he was a good kid, even as a middle schooler, yes. I don't oh, recall right. anything uh, negative on him. Wow. <laughs> We're not going to... Wow, that's <laughs> a soaring there. review. I've never I, heard that wow, from a middle Thomas school teacher was, before. I never recalled anything negative. <laughs> I, I, I do have a failing memory. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, keep going. So, okay. where are you at now? So, you retire. You where was your last charge? Yes, uh, the only full time pastorate I've had was at Beach Mennonite Church, a very, uh, a very wonderful experience for nine and a half years. And so, as we will say here in a few moments, uh, I retired from uh, Beach Mennonite Church uh, in Louisville in November of 2016, and we moved back to Dover, where we had lived previously. Dover, Ohio. Yes, that is Dover, so Ohio. It's geographically, about, that is in the middle of nowhere? No, that isn't true. It's right along I-77 between um, Cambridge, I guess, and uh, Canton, south of Canton, about uh, half an hour, and about th- half an hour southeast of the Mennonite Mecca of Kidron. <laughs> That's right. And it's a sister city or twin. We have our own Ohio twin cities in New Philadelphia and Dover. Yeah. That is correct. A little and, uh, smaller than the ones in, in Minnesota. But also Chet miller Eshlin has been on our podcast once, I believe. And he's once under promise. Once in a promise. <laughs> yeah, okay. one, one, one. But he's from Dover as well. Yes, right? yes. He and Holly uh, and family live in Dover. That is correct. Okay. Friends, wow. good friends. So in case you're wondering, we haven't changed what our podcast does. We're not just going out and interviewing folks. Uh, Dan is here for a purpose, and ultimately that'll be the Immigration Resource Team, which is a new addition for OHA Conference. But Dan, let's back up. You'd like to start with uh, some things that you have at Dover. If I could. Yes. We retired, as I said, in November of 2016 from Beach Mennonite Church. Leading up to that retirement, Jeanette and I had talked about buying a camper. We did get that far. And pulling it to Texas, we have a son in Austin uh, during uh, a couple of winter months to work with Hispanic uh, immigrants uh, there. Uh, Things didn't happen that fast for our first winter. So in January of 2017, we uh, were dangerously close to actually twiddling our thumbs in our rocking chairs. And we looked at each other and we said, no can do. So a friend suggested I check into an interpreting job at Dover High School just down the street from us. I was hired one day per week for the last two months of the school year. So Dan, you, you retired to Dover and yes. you said you're working with ESL. 
Um, I know in that area there's a lot of the Amish and there's a lot of ESL that happens there. So is this a Dutch to English ESL? I think we go Spanish. Spanish. Okay. So you're. But you can do Dutch, right? No, I cannot oh, I do Dutch. I thought you could do Dutch. No. Nope. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're you are bilingual. Just bilingual. Spanish yes. and English. Yes. Okay. And there has been a growing Hispanic population in Dover, New Philly. I would suspect it might even be greater than Canton uh, at this point. I'm not sure. sure. So that's thousands, tens of thousands of... Just a rough estimate of five to 7,000 Hispanics in Tuscarawas County. In, in a county of 50,000, I mean... Tuscarawas, maybe, a little more than that, maybe. So it's yeah. a sizable population. And yeah. I was told that in terms of the Dover school system, three elementary schools, one middle school, one high school... The population of Hispanic students in the last 10 to 12 years has increased 4,000%. Wow. Okay. And do you know what percentage of the student body is Hispanic? At uh, Dover High School, probably still only at about 15% maybe. Still significant. We're not talking three people here. Yeah, Yeah. maybe 20%. It's growing every every day, every week we get new arrivals. So there's a need for interpretation and support. Very much. So uh, did you stay at one day or did you increase your time? So the following school year, last school year, I bumped that up to three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that is the same arrangement that I am doing currently in this school year. Cool. So Dover High School has hired four part-time interpreters for various purposes. I've been assigned eight classes, a schedule, five Mm -hmm. history classes, one biology class, one language arts class, one study hall. And there are anywhere from two to ten Hispanic kids mixed in among the English kids in these classes, with the exception of the biology class that is all Hispanics or all ELLs, uh, about 14 of them. In that particular class, it's almost like team teaching. Uh, sure. The teacher allows me to do so many different things. Well, good thing you're trained. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, so, yeah, you are a trained teacher. You're not hired as a teacher. I am hired as an interpreter. So you're right. in the classroom, the teacher's up front lecturing, walking through something, and you're sitting right next to a student translating live as it's happening? Or? That Well, it varies from classroom to classroom, but I'm often off to the one side of the classroom with Hispanic students, pretty much on my end of the classroom with a dry erase board, and I'm jotting Spanish words, translating keywords and phrases oh, okay. and so on. Huh, yeah. interesting. Or sometimes I'm allowed to pull them out into a separate classroom and work with them to prepare for a quiz or a test on right. my own. That's great. What's your greatest joy in doing that? I mean, does this feel like retirement or does it feel like you're working again? What? Well, in particular, in cases of uh, hallways or when I'm pulling them out into a separate room to study, I can say, you know, there's a, there's a place in the Bible that says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I can quote them, uh, Joshua 1, nine. Uh, those kinds of things. So you and get I can, a little chance to to be a little evangelical and well, you might, tell them why you're doing this. You might say that. You might say pastor that. Pastor interpreter. Yes. And, yeah. and I would say, and to take nothing away from the pastoral call and my years of pastoring churches, I can, I can think a few times to wax a bit Pentecostal here when I have so consistently felt, quote, anointed uh, for this work as I walk the halls 
and I see Hispanic kids' faces brighten up when we meet. God has given me such a, a deep love for these kids, and I know it comes through. Yeah. Well, sure, I, and I think it comes through in your voice, and we can see it on your face yeah. <laughs> and, uh, as you talk about it. And reading the, the, the whole Bible, the New Testament, Jesus in particular, I mean, you're right at the heartbeat of Christ there and what you're doing. So I would expect the Spirit to be... I was a stranger, and you welcomed me, yeah. in Matthew 25. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the kicker. In addition to being thrown into a new language, a new culture, a long list of school rules... Many of these kids work nights, anywhere from 8 to 12 hours a night, and then try to stay awake during a history lecture or something the next day where they may know 10% of the words. Many of my students uh, are unaccompanied minors in that immigration category. They're 15 or 16 or 17, and uh, they find it a better chance with immigration system to turn themselves in at the border and then give a sponsor's name and address. Hmm. You know, here in Dover, that would be. They're making their way to the border. Where Are they Mexican? Honduran? No, uh, 95% of my students are Guatemalan. Okay, right. so they're making their way through Honduras. Or through Mexico. Through Mexico. Yes. <laughs> to the wall. They turn themselves in. Right. And, and then most of them, I think, are turning themselves in as unaccompanied minors. Yeah. Give the name of a relative. It could be an older older sibling. It could mm-hmm. be an aunt, uncle, cousin. The name and the address of a person, they verify that, I guess. And huh. then, and they, then they're, they're here. They're working nights. Working nights, going to school, going to school in, the in the day. And sending their sending money, money back, back to their parents, to their families. Wow. Yes. Uh, I want to say yet one other um, uh, aspect outside of school. Uh, through uh, Sarah Lehman at LifeBridge Church. I met this man, we'll call Carlos, either in his late 30s, early 40s. He's been in the U.S. about six years, hasn't seen his wife and two teenage daughters since leaving Guatemala. Ouch. He presently has a niece and nephew living with him. That would be the unaccompanied minor kind of a thing, I guess. A year and a half ago, he lost sight in one eye due to an accident on the job. Mm-hmm. A lawyer has been working on this case for a year and a half now. Uh, he finally, just a couple of weeks ago, got some settlement payment for the accident that was um, negligence, I think, on the part of the company with the, with this accident. Uh, but it was only a fraction of what he would have received, if obviously, if he were if he were a citizen. So Carlos's needs sometimes seem endless, but I continue to be blessed by his friendship and generous spirit. Let me add a little bit, if I could, yet on Jeanette. Who's Jeanette? Jeanette is my wife of 45 years now. New and Schwander, by the way. Does that count for anything? (laughs) My name is Seymour, so I I got nothing there. Okay. Okay. So last school year, she volunteered one morning a week at an elementary school in New Philly, Mm -hmm. uh, working with Hispanic kids. This year, she's bumped it up to two mornings a week. And, of course, she loves it. The teacher loves her. And the kids love her working with Hispanic kids in a second grade classroom. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so uh, we appreciate all this. And uh, so, what brings you here uh, for Ohio Conference Cast? Well, could I add the second circle that has to do with open arms? Sure, because open arms Hispanic ministries is certainly connected. Is connected directly to Ohio Conference. Yeah. Conference. Right? yeah. Well, let's, yeah. Let, let me throw a question sure. out there then. Sure. So, so Bill and I have the the dubious privilege, distinct honor of 
working with Geraldo a lot, and he is executive director of Open Arms Hispanic Ministries. So do you have overlap with him? I mean, what you're doing seems to be in line with uh, what Open Arms does. Well, in that regard, I joined the Open Arms Board a year and a half ago and just recently became chair. No, there isn't a direct connection with what we've I've just talked about in Dover at this point and Open Arms. It's just another sphere of ministry in my retirement time here. I've worshipped at Salem occasionally. I'm always blessed by the energetic spirit of worship and a small taste of the kingdom right now. Yeah. Did you just Salem. drop a little something? You said you're the board chair now. Yes. So you would be Geraldo's boss. You might look you're at it that way. Yeah. 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 We'll yeah. yeah, we'll keep that in mind. Sometimes he's hard to Watch out, keep Earl, a handle on. Coming. Okay, <laughs> yes. No, I don't, re- I don't see it specifically that way. He is a dear brother and friend and, and co-worker in the kingdom. But yes, I am the chair of the board now. So anyway, in terms of open arms, the um, growth of both Salem and and Open Arms Ministries has made it impossible for Haroldo to keep wearing the two hats that he's been wearing up to this point. So he is stepping down. It is it is knowledge that he is stepping down as pastor at Salem at the end of this year in order to, to go full-time with Open Arms. So we are, yes, to go back to your question, we are exploring the possibilities of expanding Open Arms uh, work into places like Massillon and Dover. In fact, recently we changed our mission statement briefly. Instead of reading, seeking to meet the needs of Hispanic immigrants in Wayne and Holmes counties, we changed that to say to um, in Wayne County and surrounding areas. So Dan, recently uh, you have agreed to, along with Alyssa Short, to form a resource team on immigration. Uh, you want to talk about that? Sure, sure. I believe it was the August uh, meeting of ministry development team. Alyssa and I were asked to form this team. We were told to find four to six members, which we have just rounded out our sixth member now and ready to get underway. We have been given two tasks by ministry development team. One, to develop a resolution on immigration to present to the delegates at ACA in March for discussion and hopefully approval. And secondly, to develop a list of resources for congregations to become better informed on this issue. So let's take a step back. A resource team uh, within the current Ohio conference structure is a group seated by the ministry development team. So we have, if you've heard of the the missional group, that's a resource team. The people that are planning the gathered meetings, that's a resource team. So it's one of those things where ministry development team sees a need for ministry involvement, and they see the resource team. So, exactly. Um, That's the way I understand it. Yeah. yeah. And so this is how the conference works when it's working. So, Dan, then you mentioned you have the two tasks you've been given. One yes. is to come up with a resolution for ACA. Right. And the other is to come up with resources for all of conference. So have you started on that work? How, what's, the, what's it look like? I've only done a little work uh, mentally, and I'm sure the other members have done some of that in their past experiences and, cons- and interest in this issue. We expect to get word out to constituents of Ohio Conference soon in one way or another, either a survey, which Alyssa Short, by the way, has told me doesn't always work too well in these settings. Right. But uh, we... Response rate, I think, is pretty low. Right. But we could get a survey out to congregations to get some feedback, or we certainly will invite open-ended 
contacts with us, with any individuals or congregations who want to have some input Mm -hmm. in the writing of the resolution. We're going to sort through anything that comes our way, ideas, questions, comments, perspectives. Well, and it sounds like you guys haven't met yet, so you don't want to get too far ahead of your committee. Right. Right. My question is, when the resolution that would be coming to ACA, what's it for? Is it directed towards something, some entity towards us? Is it to clarify where we are? Is it to make a political statement that maybe our, our governors or elected officials will listen to? You <laughs> That's well, a very, it's a very good question, and it's unan- I think it's unanswered at this point. Okay. Okay. I, I envision that it perhaps might have some elements of some of those things. I envision that the resolution would call congregations and individuals in Ohio Conference to look seriously and carefully at this issue from a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. to have discussions within congregations on the issue. It may have a component then of, let's say, a political nature. It may have a component of statement to elected representatives at the state level or the national level asking uh, for various actions or considerations mm-hmm. or perspectives on the part of our, of our elected officials. I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will certainly include a call for us to become more informed and I would say from a biblical perspective on, on this issue. And I would assume it would not just call, but also provide some resource information. Exactly. Yeah. Haroldo and Jamie Rye and I are part of a, a group of leadership trying to set up a network to encourage faith communities to consider becoming sanctuary spaces that is called East Central Ohio Sanctuary Network. I would say uh, that we're not quite a network yet, but we're really close to starting officially and working at forming the relationships we're trying to form. And I just mentioned that to put that on the radar that there are, and you you are aware of this group. Yes, very uh, much. I have been to yeah, most of yeah, the right, open exactly. meetings. Yeah, but, but for everybody who listens, uh, that it's not just the resource team, and hopefully there will be a little bit of overlap and working together. And uh, and we do have some resources as well. Good. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's a matter of collaboration, is yep, it not? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In, in, a, in a divisive world, it's a matter yeah. of showing some yeah. collaboration. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yep, absolutely. Well, and I, I think there are also s- some ministries and activity like this over in the western side. We're all over here in the east. We don't want to assume that we're the only ones doing anything. Correct. And you do have a Western person. Correct. We group. have two yeah. persons yeah. on our team yeah. from Western Ohio, that's right. and, and with, that's with intentional yeah. and, and good. Yep. Absolutely. That good. we uh, try to, yes. Yeah, for, for those that are, are listening, this East-West divide, it's not really a divide, but we have different pockets of Mennonite communities, and there seems to be a fairly, there's like the Toledo-Archibald area, and then there's the Wayne-Holmes County area, and then, you know, Plain City and others. That we're, we're very geographically split. Yeah. So whenever yeah. there's a committee like this that's put together, an Ohio conference, there's always this effort. Do we have someone from the East, someone from the West? So yeah, that right. language, and that's if, important. If, if you haven't yep. been a part of Ohio conference committees, that, that language might be confusing. If you haven't been a part of those committees, we want you to be a part. So <laughs> Give Thomas a call. And <laughs> not, set you call up. somebody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa. Alyssa. She's, yeah. she's call the go-to. Alyssa, yeah. Judy. Alyssa. Or Judah. They're, they're Judy, the two yeah. go-tos. Uh, that's uh, the truth. <laughs> so in listening to Bill and Dan speak, I mean, it sounds like there's this gr- groundswell of, you know, Geraldo and Open Arms has been doing this for years. There's Brazo and Brazo. Uh, I know Zion Mennonite has had 
I think some Catholic sisters working out of their church for years. There's the East Ohio Sanctuary Network. There's Dan. So it seems like there's a groundswell of immigration concerns and ministry. What do you see from all that, Dan? What are you learning from that? Or why do you think that's happening? Obviously, it's front and center now on the national scene, and it's a very hot-button, divisive issue. But that, to me, gives us great opportunity to be, if if you will, the city on a hill, the light uh, in darkness. For example, I see that among professing Christians, uh, some don't appear to have a very Christ-like attitude toward this issue. On September the 26th, Jeanette and I went to a meeting in Canton, a small church called the Radial Church. We were incidentally kind of surprised and disappointed to see no Mennonites there. Maybe maybe the word didn't get around. We heard an excellent presentation from Matthew Sorens from World Relief offices in Chicago. And here were several uh, rather surprising statistics, though I'm not uh, sure of the polling details. 75% of evangelical Christians who were polled see immigrants as a threat or a burden. However, 96% of economists polled said that the overall effect of immigrants, documented or otherwise, on the U.S. economy is positive. Only 42% of evangelical Christians say that immigrants present an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. Less than half. And by the way, if you start talking to them... Evangelical. Huh, interesting. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. What's, yeah, what's the nature? What's the <laughs> we need to word think there? about the definition <laughs> okay. there. Yeah. yeah. If you start talking to them, you'll likely discover that many of them already know Jesus, perhaps more intimately than you and me. To save the worst, perhaps, for the last, only 12%, that's 1-2, that's 10 plus 2, 12% of evangelical Christians in this poll say that their views on immigration are informed primarily by the Bible. Hmm. So I, I say we have our work cut out for us as Anabaptist followers of Jesus and I was looking this morning at the Confession of Faith, Article 23, I believe it is, worth rereading with the lens of immigration sure. in our, yeah. our relationship to, to government as, as we understand it as Anabaptists. Sure. So that's part of the motivating factor in my life right now, and I think hopefully with many others at the conference. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll give a shout-out, too. MCC has a very robust immigration arm with some good work and some information that is readily available. So if you want more, you can go there as well. Yes, and we will provide some of that uh, information on our list of resources. Well, Dan, thanks a lot for the work you're doing for modeling Christian retirement for, for <laughs> everyone, for That's Bill right. and I who are ready to retire what, next year or is it 18 months? <laughs> tomorrow. I thought it was tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. yeah. Tomorrow. Uh-oh, here we go. Our churches might retire <laughs> us tomorrow if we keep okay, up. Okay, I keep hope that Ralph up. Reinford isn't yeah. listening to yeah. this. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for what you're doing, Dan, and, um, and all the different circles that you're running in, and we look forward to hearing from you before ACA, probably before clusters, so we can hear what the resolution will be, but yeah, I think it's, it's worthwhile for conference to have one voice on this, so thank Absolutely. you for that work. Thank you. Jeanette and I have been uh, surprised and deeply humbled uh, the way God has opened doors for us here uh, right in Dover. We don't have to go to Texas with our camper. Our ministry is right here for now. Cool. All right. Great. Thanks, everybody, for spending this time with us. Thank you. Bye. Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're going to give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast.
Thank you for listening to another edition of Ohio Conference Cast. We would love to hear from you. Our email is ohioconferencecast at gmail.com. Ohio Conference Cast is brought to you by the Ohio Conference Leadership Team, along with Norm Sohar, sound engineer, Megan Sohar, voiceover, Ann Lehman, publisher, and our many guests and listeners.